Our Lady of Sorrows, pray for us. The month of September is dedicated to the seven sorrows of Mary. We have been celebrating this since at least the 14th century, maybe even sooner. We've actually been celebrating the, the, the sorrows of Mary in John chapter 19 at the foot of the cross. My name is Jesse Romero. I'm the Latin lover of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, the Latin lover of Our Lady, and I'm on duty. Terry, what about you? Terry Barber, the Lebanese lover of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and the Lebanese lover of Our Lady, and I'm on duty, Jess, and I'm grateful to God that we have this opportunity with this mic to proclaim Jesus Christ loud and clear to a world that acts like God doesn't exist. And today, Jess... Here's what we're going to be talking about, how the pandemic shattered social skills and destroyed public spaces. Yes. Mm. Also, one of the Dubia Cardinals says, whoever thinks adultery and Holy Communion are compatible is a heretic. Well, that's strong language. But you know what? Yes, he's right, because here's what the Holy Father said in this interview. The Pope says he may split the Catholic Church what? He said that several times in his pontificate, thinking he wants yeah. to make a mess of the church. We need to pray for Pope <laughs> Francis because what responsibility he has, Jess. I have responsibility for my family, my friends. Yeah, yeah. I have a responsibility for this mic. But the vigor of Christ has the highest amount of responsibility on the planet. Am I on to something? Yeah, we're not even close and when you compare us. No. When you compare us and his <laughs> office in, in the presence of God, it's oh. not even close. No. So that's what yeah. we got. So just be, I, I want to just mention something that hurts me to have to say this. I mentioned it to you earlier today about former President Trump calling a six-week abortion ban terrible gets slammed by pro-life leaders. Well, you know what, Jess? I've been complimenting uh, President Trump when he does good things. If he does a bad thing, I'm here right front center yep. to say, no, he's wrong, and we need to pray for him that he will do the right thing like he did when he was our president. Because if you look at all the accomplishments with the Roe versus Wade, we wouldn't have it re replaced if it wasn't for President Trump. That's just the facts, Jess. Yeah, Terry, there's a, a website. It's called Pro, ProLifePresident.com. I think it was put up by Father Pavone. Mm -hmm. And it shows all the things, the accomplishments and yeah. victories that Donald Trump did in four years as America's president. So this statement of his is inconsistent true. with his uh, track record. Right, right, what now, he did. Un unfortunately, I think he may be falling into politics. And what I mean by that, Trump has been known as a no-nonsense guy. You just tell it like it is. And that's yeah. why people voted for him. That's why they liked him. Now, right now, it seems like if he's using what's called, what Democrats called triangulating. Mm -hmm. Clintons do it. Biden's do it. Everybody does it. What they do is they they say they cater to their audience in front of them. That's called triangulating. Trump wasn't like that before. He was a no nonsense guy. Uh, so I'm just wondering that that's what he's doing. But nonetheless, absolutely. That statement of his was reprehensible. I voted for him, but I, I oppose him. Uh, in so far as that statement that he's made, and I, and, I, and I hope he returns Amen. to his pro-life principles. And Jess, I only have one more good <clears throat> need-to-know file, and I like uh, anything I get that I get from Bishop Athanasius Schneider is always gold. I've read many of his books, and they're all great. He said this in an interview not long ago with Our Lady of Fatima Forum, September 13th. He said, Catholics cannot obey if the Senate on Synodality issues false teachings. Well, Jess, we've been saying that forever because 
the Senate does not have authority over God's teaching. No, the Pope doesn't have authority over that. Things that can't change are instituted by God through his church. These are called eternal truths. And no matter who, what, what position you're in the church, you can't change them. So, Bishop Snyder, thank you for giving us that comment because that's Catholic teaching. That's right. A couple of things that I'd like to mention, Terry, are yeah. so some a couple of good news items. I need them. <laughs> yeah, there's a <laughs> there's a school called the St. Joseph's Academy. Yeah, it, it's it's an island of hope in a world awash awesome. with muck and immorality. And they've got grades one through 12. It's called uh, the St. Joseph Academy, traditional classical Catholic education uh, and 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 Terry, we're seeing these. They're opening up all over. Is, the is that the one down in uh, Oceanside? Because <clears throat> uh, I know, uh, I believe. Yeah, because that, I one of the yeah. teachers. Yeah, one of the teachers yes, taught sir. my son, uh, Father uh, Mr. Chastik, and I guarantee you that school is solid as a rock. Yep, oh. it's uh, it's in uh, I think San Marcos. California. Yeah, that's it, San Marcos. Yep. Yeah, so I'm, I'm looking at their website. Oh, it's awesome. Impressive, yes. Terry. Yes. Impressive. Uh, God bless. See, that's what Catholics can do when they when they when they pull their money together. Yeah, they can make these happen. And so that's also John Paul II University, just uh, east of 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 Terry in Escondido, yeah. California. Sure. They also offer training in film media, business enterprise, that's right. and solid theology. And uh, I, I I I'm looking at a, a website here. It says that the John Paul II Institute University has transformed downtown into another oasis of sanctity. In other awesome. words, it's having an impact on downtown San Diego in a good sense. Good. Also, in case you're curious <laughs> of uh, if, uh, you know, if, if where you should send your kid to college, the Cardinal Newman Society provides an honor roll list of private schools and colleges, and uh, they offer an, an, an essay scholarship contest that gives high school students help towards their tuition. So cardinalnewmansociety.org, carmennewmansociety.org, if you want to find a good Catholic school or college. Finally, Terry, <clears throat> Marco Rubio, he's a Catholic, he's a yeah. senator from Florida. Yep. He demands that the U.S. military reschedule the Sound of Freedom showings after their cancellation. He said this, since the concern which led to the cancellation has now been addressed, I urge you to rectify the situation, close quote. So U.S. Senator Marco Rubio issued a letter to the military on Wednesday demanding they reschedule the showing of the hitbox uh, office film Sound of Freedom without delay. Awesome. This was after U.S. Southern Command canceled the anti-child sex trafficking film screening earlier this month at its headquarters in Doral, Florida. And I'm sure this came from the Biden administration. Of course. And you know, Jesse, what's crazy about this? Uh, the the military guys have access to all kinds of pornography, and that's okay. And then we get a movie that's exposing the pornography that's going on by abusing our children. And these people are saying, it. you can't watch it? <laughs> I mean, there must be something. Is this microphone on? There's something wrong with that, Jess, that equation. Jesse, well, any more good news things? Because I, uh, I want to. Re- yeah, I want to read today's. Uh, good. I want to read today's first reading. Today. Oh, good! I'm glad it's you said that. It's on the office of a bishop. You know? Yes, yes. And I'll tell you why. Somebody oh. just sent me a link right now, and I'm yes. just pretty. It's pretty. Uh, here in the diocese of Phoenix, our bishop, Bishop John Dolan, he came from San Diego. Yeah. Uh, parishioners from the diocese of Phoenix just launched a website today. It's called uh, Bishop John 
pdolanwatch.com, bishopjohnpdolanwatch.com. I'm looking at it right now, and it's well done. Yeah. It's a website where, where the parishioners yes. of the Diocese of Phoenix are calling him to fidelity. Good. Uh, they're calling him to orthodoxy. Good. They're praying for him. And so it's 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 a well done website, and I think this could be a template for for things uh, to mm-hmm. come around the country, calling other bishops, saying, "Bishop, we're praying for you, but we're calling you to fidelity as well." Here are some of the things you've done in the past. Please don't do it again. Repent and act like a bishop. So I want to read today, Terry. Yeah, please do. What the office of a bishop is. Timothy. First reading. Uh, uh, first letter of Timothy, chapter three, verse one. Yep. Beloved, this saying is trustworthy. Whoever is aspires to the office of bishop desires a noble task. Therefore, a bishop must be irreproachable, married only once, and I'll explain that, temperate, self-controlled, decent, hospitable, able to teach, not a drunkard, not aggressive, but gentle, not contentious, not a lover of money. He must manage his own household well, keeping his children under perfect control with with perfect dignity. For if a man does not know how to manage his own household, how can he take care of the church of God? He should not be a recent convert so that he may not become conceited and thus incur the devil's punishment. He must also have a good reputation amongst outsiders so that he may not fall into disgrace, the devil's trap. Similarly, deacons must be dignified, not deceitful, not addicted to drink, not greedy or sordid for sordid gain, holding fast to the mystery of faith with a clear conscience. Moreover, they should be tested first. Then, if there's nothing against them, let them serve as deacons. Women similarly should be dignified, not slanderers, but temperate and faithful in everything. Deacons may be married only once and must manage their children and their households well. Thus those who serve well as deacons gain good standing and much confidence in their faith in Christ Jesus. The word of the Lord. Thanks, thanks be, to be to God. Jesse, before you yeah. give into this commentary, we're going to get a, uh, interrupted by a little break, but let's continue okay. on because this is critical when we're talking about the bishopric. Go ahead. Yeah, uh, the office of the bishop. So why, uh, why were people that were married uh, allowed to become bishops in the first century? You have to remember, Christ- Catholic Christianity, they were amongst, amongst pagan religions. Pretty much, you know, most people were married, unless you were, you know, single and young. And so these, the older men, these older elders from these pagan uh, religions that had an authentic conversion to Christ and started started catechizing themselves, uh these men were allowed to come in. It was only temporal. It was basically at the Council of Nicaea where this was changed and where celibacy, basically looking back at the New Testament, at the life of Christ, John the Baptist, Jeremiah, and many other people, uh, at the Council of Nicaea, the, the, the church says, you know, this would be the best thing for the West is for us to imitate Christ, like St. Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, imitate me as I imitate Christ. And St. Paul was also talking about his being celibate and chaste. Yeah. And so... Uh, married men were allowed to be bishops in the first century. It's only because the the the, sh- the the pool of men, most good men were married and they were pagans, and so that was that was basically an exception, not the norm, up until the Council of Nicaea, when the Church got her bearings. The Church says we need to imitate Jesus Christ, when it, the high priest for every other priest under him in the West. Very Terry. good, Jess. When we come yeah. back, we'll continue. With full sheen ahead, any other comments? We'll be back. Stay with us. Okay. We're back. The Lord's Gym. 
spiritual fitness trainers. <laughs> Terry, uh, you want to share something else? I did want to share. I want to bring the smartest guy into the room. Just full sheen ahead. And don't forget, everybody, we've got the full sheen ahead. we got a, a day with Fulton Sheen on the 14th of October. If you want to register for that, go to vmpr.org. You can stream the talks on Fulton Sheen. Uh, or uh, you can be in, uh, present, and it'll be a great day for Bishop Sheen. So um, I want to bring Fulton Sheen in, and here's what he has to say, and I think this sits well with us today about sin. You know, you remember one of the Holy Fathers said, whatever happened to sin? In other words, the worst thing is, is the denial of sin, and I think our culture is in that case. Here's what Bishop yep. Sheen says. Everyone who is conscious of sin knows that his sin desire deserves punishment. Of course we do. Mm. But if sin or guilt is denied, the need for punishment finds its outlet vicariously, meaning from other ways, vicariously in the love of violence visited upon others. Jesse, in my lifetime, there's been more violence in our culture than ever before. Mm. And I think Bishop Sheen nailed it. I think this is tied right into uh, people not going to confession, not acknowledging that they're sinners and that they're basically loose so much so that they've given their lives to Satan. And this is one of the characteristics of Satan. We've talked about this over, and that is a unduly love of violence, and we see that in our culture today. Well put, Terry. And if you want to see senseless violence, yeah. um, there's a deputy sheriff that was shot at Palmdale Station. That's right. He's a... Uh, 30-year-old. 30-year-old. Yeah, third uh, generation, Jess. Wow. So the suspect, yep. the guy that had a psychosis, yep. drug addict, yeah. mental problems, mm-hmm. <clears throat> the suspect was 29 years old. And the suspect, he pulls up alongside the deputy sheriff. Yep. The deputy's looking straight. And he just, t- uh, th- so the deputy's looking straight. The suspect is, t- is to the right of him, picks up his gun from his car seat. He's right next to him in a car. Mm-hmm. And just shoots him in oh. the side, in this basically almost like in the back of the head. He was a little bit behind him, mm-hmm. so the deputy didn't even know uh, this the guy was pointing a gun at him. He was fatally shot. Uh, he died inside his car, his patrol car. His name is Deputy Ryan uh, Klinkenbrumer, and so we pray eternal rest grant unto this deputy, O Lord, and let, and let your perpetual light shine upon him. May the soul of this deputy, through the mercy of God, rest in peace. Amen. And Jesse, one more adding note to him, because I really prayed for him, too. He was engaged to get married. Mm. They, all of the good things. And, it's, and like I say, third generation. His father was a cop. His grandpa was a sheriff. Wow. See, So this is nonsense and really isn't. And Jesse, I just have to say this again. Um, the, those kind of people that are out of jail right now because of California's laws, that let people out for any reason. This is the fruit of the nonsense that's going on in California. That's why, I mean, I'm in California, Jesse, and you know I'm going to slug it out. But I, I, why would anybody be here in this state if they have an option to get the heck out of Dodge? Because it, I'll just give you one more comment, Jesse. In um, Northern California, the um, area up in there at um, where the colleges are, they're so they, they've been gutted. All the businesses have left. All the store because of looting. And think about this: uh, it's Berkeley, Cal, in Berkeley, California. Mm. It's a it's it's like a deserted a, a desert. Ghost town. Yeah, ghost town. And why? Because the state allows people to steal up to a thousand dollars worth of merchandise 
have basically no consequences. And I think uh, this is happening in California. I think Illinois is coming up with doing something like that. This is just incredible. That's what happens when God's not in the equation. Yes. Dr. Horvat, he basically talks about all of this in his article, yeah. how the how the pandemic shattered social skills and, dis- and yeah. des- destroyed public spaces. Right. Exactly what we're saying. Yep. And as everything that Terry, you just said right yeah. now, Dr. Horvat says that the pandemic and the lockdowns made things worse. Right. We're in a worse situation. Let me pick it up where he says the loss of the norms of civility. Yeah. The drastic transformation can be seen as social events and public spaces all over the country. People are engaging in increasingly aggressive and uncivil behavior. Event organizers report controlling and managing managing crowds after the pandemic is harder. People think they can let go of old habits and rules. Yeah. Instead, self-quarantined people are expressing themselves with little regard for others. After two years of isolation, they're acting as if, as if at home where they do whatever they wish. Some even reach the point of hurting those around them. The norms of civility and charity are forgotten. Yep. Throwing objects at performers. It says here that one new trend is found at live concerts. People are throwing objects at entertainers, often injuring them. These incidents have even become a social media phenomenon. Concert goers share videos of artists being hit by objects, drinks, or bottles as if it is part of the entertainment. Concert promoters are ramping up security by screening fans and forbidding potential objects that might cause injuries. However, not everything can be controlled. In one case, a singer was hit in the eye by a friendship bracelet, while another needed stitches after a cell phone smashed into her face. Next next section, it says, Turning the theater into a personal theater. Another disturbing trend is the behavior at movie theaters. Yep. The COVID home streamers are now home, home streamers are now returning to movie houses. They're bringing with them private habits that reflect the disregard for fellow viewers. It's as if they feel entitled to entitled to break the rules after a long absence from the big screen. Before COVID, the unwritten rule was not to disturb not to disturb the viewing of others by taking out cell phones with their bright and distracting screens. Now the cell phones are everywhere, disrupting viewing. Some moviegoers. Complain of camera flashes as people post videos of the movies. Sometimes whole movies can be found piecemeal online. When the film gets boring, others whip out their screens in the darkened theaters, scroll through their emails, use TikTok, or even listen to out loud to YouTube videos. <laughs> people are also taking selfies at climactic points of the plots. A new generation of moviegoers has turned the theater into a private one from which they can post their antics on social media. Then it says, turning the theater into an experience. Uh, get into the meat of it, Terry, where it says what? other social skills at risk, if you could go to that section. Yeah, and Jesse, let me just say something about this. What you're reading is this. It's a, it's a me-centered generation. Yes. It's like me, Perfect. myself, yeah. and I, the unholy trinity. Who, who are we worshiping? We're worshiping ourselves. And this, this is the, the challenge that we, we face right now. Jesse, what, did you, what, what part did you want me to start with? Other, other social skills at risk. Other, hang on, that must be on the other side. So that's where, it's in the bottom, toward the bottom. Towards the bottom. I have the flight of social ability. Oh, let's see here. Yeah. Other social skills at risk. You know what, Jess? I don't I'll, I'll, I'll do it. You'll find. The decline of civility in public spaces is not limited to shows and performances. Other social skills degenerated during the pandemic and are proving hard to recover. Yeah. These habits impact business, education, and faith. 
the great disrup- disruption oh, is reflected it. in four following bullets. Let me give what those four the, bullets, yeah. yes. The yeah. reluctance of people to come back to the office after years of working online, number one. Number mm-hmm. two bullet, the decline of skills needed to conduct a business lunch or successful in-person meeting. Wow. Mm-hmm. Three, the loss of pious habits by people who have stopped going to church. Yeah, yeah they stopped praying. Number four, the difficulties of school children in catching up academically and socially after two years of isolation. Great point, Jess. And here's the last section that Dr. Horvath talks about. He says the flight from social sociability mm-hmm. and virtue. The flight from sociability during the pandemic tri- triggered a mania of self-centeredness. That's what you just said, Terry. Yep. Entitlement and comfort. And their seclusion People did not care how they appeared before others, nor did they pay attention to social interactions. They did not realize the importance of those old social habits that kept society functioning smoothly. Thus, the pandemic also has a moral dimension that needs to be addressed. It not only devastated supply lines, institutions, and education, it shattered the practice of virtue there you go. that undergirds civility. Yep. Wow, what a sentence. That's, that, repeat that, because that's, what, it, that's it where it's It shattered at. the practice of virtue yep. that undergirds civility. Yep. Case in point, Black Lives Matter, Antifa. Case in point, all the mobs of young millennials running into stores right now with masks on. Yeah. And just uh, just ripping off like $100,000 of, of merchandise in about two minutes. And they all run to their cars. The cars, their getaway cars are waiting. This is all organized. And they're destroying entire malls, Terry. It says, thus, the pandemic also has a moral dimension that needs to be addressed. It not only devastated supply lines. uh, Okay. The violence and misbehavior in public places are a sad reflection of this desolation. Once forgotten, these habits are not easily replaced. Worst of all, this flight from virtue happens in a time of social decadence. The pandemic dramatically sped up this process. Yes. Now worse things are coming down the road. Restoring tattered social habits is not enough. America needs a moral regeneration to bring back the principles behind social habits. I got one comment. Uh, Dr. Dr. Horvitz sounds a lot like Father Ripperger. Father Ripperger dr- uh, plays this drum over and over. He says... America has lost virtue. He'll also say most all these cases of demonic possession, he says, are people that have no virtue. He goes once he goes the team. We teach the possessed person to restore a life of faith, prayer and virtue. He goes the demons leave the body. He goes the reason there's so much demonic affliction and possession in the country is he says the country lacks virtue. Jesse, you've also heard Father Chad say that. One of the reasons we have all this violence and all this me, myself, and I is because we've turned away from the sacraments. Many, many, and this is really sad to say, if you're not praying, if you're not frequenting the sacraments, and, and this is a horrible thing. You're, to say, you're part you, of the problem. Yeah, but you're not, you know what you become part of? You're like an animal. You know why? Yeah. Because your lower instincts kick in and you have nothing to control it other than me, myself, and I, and that's when you get in trouble. Am I onto something? Oh, well, no, you just quoted a doctor of the church without even knowing it. Uh, St. Teresa of Avila said a, per, a, 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 per, a Catholic who does not pray at least 15 minutes a day, he says, is not a human, but an animal. Huh? So what you just did yeah. is you just you I just paraphrase, you just yeah. paraphrase a doctor of the church. Yeah. Yeah. 
Terry, what we're doing and the pandemic, the, the COVID-19 lockdowns, it made it worse. We're raising a generation of monsters. And if you don't believe me, just look at the young people that comprise BLM, Antifa, Occupy Wall Street, and these mobs of young people that are stealing entire department stores, ripping them off blind. I think a good fraction of of, of Americans are like zombies because they don't know Jesus. Yeah, they're just walking around society. They're like reanimated corpses with no moral conscience and no heart. <laughs> Horrible. And all they want to do is destroy whatever's in front of them and take whatever's in front of them. That's the state of our country right now, Terry. This country needs Jesus in a very bad way. And that's why here at Virgin Most Powerful Radio, we give you Jesus Christ, his teachings for what we call the deposit of faith. With Jess Romero's opinion, Terry Barber's opinion, who cares? We want to know what Jesus Christ teaches, and that's what we do here. When we come back, just another sad statement. Uh, we're going to cover, uh, well, it's just sad. The Pope says he may split the Catholic Church according to an interview. This was mm. years ago, and now we're seeing in October 4th when the Senate begins, this could happen. And this is why we need to be praying for the vigor of Christ and all of our church leaders. Stay with us, family. We'll be right back. We're back. Two-man car. Yep. <laughs> Lord's Jim, his pain is your gain. And uh, Terry... Uh, the synod and synodality is right around the corner, oh, yeah. I think. The 4th I of think, October. Yeah. Next month, I think we're supposed to receive the the findings from the synod and synodality. I think some people call it Vatican III. Yeah. And a lot of people, a lot of good voices out there are saying that, you know, war, there's already a quiet schism. Yeah. But this schism may be, become more visible after the synod. And I... And I I'm, I'm saying that because this is already kind of predicted. Yeah. Back in 2016. That's right. Uh, Pope Francis, he actually said, quote, it is not to be excluded that I will enter history as the one who split the church. I wouldn't want to close say that. quote. Oh, my. He said that December 2016. Yep. So the, I know it's an old article, but it's relevant. Well, because of what's going on. Because of what's going to happen in two or three weeks. Yes. So, uh, yeah. So let's take a, a trip down it. memory lane. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Now, <clears throat> it's funny, Terry. Y- y- you could have the enemies of the, of, of, of the, of, of the gospel, like mm-hmm. Clinton Foundation. Sure. George Soros and his son, Nancy Pelosi, Biden, uh, you know, and uh, those people, th- those globalists. Uh, climatologists, one world government people, they have access to Pope Francis, Terry. They do. But his brother cardinals that want to ask him a question about something that he's teaching, he gives them the hand, the palm. He says, basically, uh, talk to the hand, talk to the hand. Mm -hmm. So uh, Walter Mayer, the Rome correspondent of the German magazine Der Spiegel, reported the following back on the, the 23rd of December, back in 2016, on Pope Francis and the crisis over the dubia, yep. where four cardinals asked them questions about his teachings. And he uh, he got mad, he but he refused to meet with them. For and years, it, and, he's never responded to them, which yeah. is really tragic. Yeah, he's never met with them. Nope. So <clears throat> this Rome correspondent writes, quote, in a very small circle, 
Pope Francis is said to have to have self-critically further explained himself as follows. He said this again. It is not to be excluded that I will enter history as the one who split the Catholic Church, close quote. Horrible. So this Rome correspondent who, who writes for Der Spiegel, he says, since 1990, <clears throat> as the Russian correspondent and now the Italian correspondent, he's also co-authored uh, of the book called Minenfield Balkan, which is Europe's tormented backyard. Mm. Walter Meyer describes the Pope who is isolated, again, because he interviewed him. He yeah. says, this is the way he describes the Pope, boiling with rage. Many people have said that about him. He's not the only one. Boiling with rage. Yep. At the resistance of his reform. Yep. And running out of time. Yep. <clears throat> Writing that the Holy Father is increasingly lonely, weakened by resistance in the Curia, and demoralized by the lack of courage to change. Yep. <clears throat> Walter Meyer describes the opposition to Pope Francis at first impression. He basically calls them a few stubborn aged cardinals that's his description of the for example the four dubia cardinals terry yeah but you know what jesse let me just jump in i pray that the holy father has the dignity to give our leaders other leaders in the church the cardinals the time to dialogue because we they talk so much about dialogue but when it comes to orthodoxy it seems like dialogue doesn't apply and so i just pray really for hope for pope francis That'll have a change of heart because for 10 years, this has been his mentality. It's my way or the highway. And unfortunately, uh, he's not been on the side of tradition and the deposit of faith. And so when people call him out lovingly, it irritates him. And uh, I hope he doesn't, you know, once that's die of a heart attack because he's so upset at us. That's not our intention. Our intention is, is to give you the gospel that Jesus Christ f- found it and to h- hold you more responsible to not only de- to, to profay, pro- uh, proclaim it, but guard the, de- the faith, because that's part of your job description, Holy Father. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, this uh, Walter Meyer paints a picture of the mm-hmm. isolation of Pope Francis. This is back in 2016. Amazing. When he had a bunch of good cardinals there. Yeah. So that's the context. They, they were all the, the, the cardinals that were left over from Pope Benedict XVI. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, but this is the way he describes the isolation back then. He says, it is Saturday morning last week, shortly after eight in the Pauline Chapel of the Vatican. A group of 50 cardinals now living in Rome, purple elegant robes and purple caps as far as the eye can see, has appeared in, honor to, in, in order to honor Pope Francis with a common concelebrated mass on the occasion of his 80th birthday. As they sit there under the fresco of Michelangelo's depicting the crucifixion of Peter, the dignitaries have their eyes on the powerful man to the left of the chair, and the estrangement can nearly palpably grasp with one's hands. Uh, Cardinal Angelo Sodano said, Be assured that we are close to you, says, said Cardinal Sodano to Pope Francis, but this reassurance sounds strangely hollow. <laughs> Walter Meyer insinuates Pope Francis' isolation and estrangement in the context of the dubious submitted to the uh, to the Holy Father by Cardinals Brandmuller, Meisner, Burke, and Kafara. By the way, two of the four are dead. Exactly. They, 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 yeah. Yep. Meyer concludes that Pope Francis has responded with the maximum penalty punishment to the dubia by choosing to ignore it and not responding. However, 
Walter Meyer sees Pope Francis reference to malevolent resistance during his Christmas greetings to the Roman Curia as his reaction to the dubia. So he called those guys malevolent resistance. That means evil. It means yeah. diabolic resistance. He sees this as expressing what Edward Penton calls Pope Francis's boiling rage over the dubia. If I can just jump in, Jesse. <laughs> yep, Terry. Pope Benedict XVI, just a previous pope before him, gave him a great example. Benedict had lots of people who opposed him theologically oh, and scriptural scholars. And we had, for the first time in you know thousands of years, uh, a scripture scholar as the pope. Okay, mm. And he would humbly say, okay, Mr. whatever you are, father or bishop, whoever you are, let me have your complaint. He would go through it. He would explain it better than the guy who just complained about it. And then he would give a answer that was steeped in scripture and tradition. And that's what I'm looking for from the Pope. Not this idea that, hey, you know what? I'm not even going to give you any time of day. Uh, you, you're nothing to me. I'm, I'm at the top. Didn't you realize? See, this to me has no place as the vigor of Christ. The attitude that I'm up here and you're down there. Because what he says and what he does are two different things. Okay, continue. <laughs> Tell me what you really I'm, doing, I'm gonna, Because I see it. It's upsetting. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to continue yes. to pray for the man. Yeah, right, exactly. Uh, this, uh, this, this correspondent, Walter Meyer, mm -hmm. he interviewed Cardinal Brandmuller back that in 2016, one of the signatories of the Dubia, mm -hmm. who gives his assessment of what is at stake with the Dubia and Amoris Laetitia. God, I think Brand Mueller, he's already passed away, right, he Terry? Did. Yes, he did. Yeah, rest in God peace. Rest his soul. God have mercy on his soul. Mm. So this is <clears throat> speaking in his apartment next to St. Peter's Basilica, Cardinal Walter Brandmuller said in truth, quote, it is about all or nothing. Yes, it's true. Yeah. To speak in colloquial terms, that is to say it is about the kernel of the whole, about the teaching of doctrine. So he says, Whoever thinks that persistent adultery and the reception of holy communion are compatible as a heretic and promote schism. Holy Scripture, according to Brandmuller, is not a place where everybody can, can pick what he likes. You he think? says, <laughs> We are, according to the Apostle St. Paul, administrators of the mysteries of God, but not holders of the right of disposal. Can you repeat that? Because that's yeah. what the church needs to hear over and over yeah. again. Cardinal Brandmuller, rest in peace, spoken like a, a true apostle. Yeah. He says, We are, according to the Apostle St. Paul, administrators of the mysteries of God, but not holders of the right of disposal. And <clears throat> the Catechism of the Catholic Church, quoting Vatican II's Unitatis Redintegratio, it says this, quote, describes splits or rifts in the church as damnable. In this one and only church of God from its very beginning, there arose certain rifts which the apostle strongly censures as damnable. And what's interesting, Terry, so the church calls splits damnable. Yes. And Pope Francis said in an interview, I will enter history as the one who split the Catholic church. So he's, he's saying something that Vatican II says is damnable. Yeah. The article says the cause of splits in the church's human sin, uh, wherever there are sins, there's also divisions. And this is quoting Origen, one of the early writers in the church, uh, schisms, heresies, and disputes. Where there is virtue, however, however, there are also harmony and unity from which arise the one heart and one soul of all believers. Uh, Dr. Ludwig Ott describes schismatics as, though, yep, as those who fundamentally reject the authority of the church or those who disassociate themselves from the commonwealth of the faithful subject to the church. Uh, all I can say, Terry... 
uh, when, when Pope Francis became the Pope until the present moment, pray, please pray for Pope Francis and the Cardinals and for the unity of the Catholic Church. And if I can just plug, you were quoting Ludwig Ott. There's a book called Fundamentals of Catholic Dogma. It's printed by Tan Books. <clears throat> I got my copy 40 years ago, folks. And this It's gold. Everyone should own that because yeah. then you're really clear on what the fundamentals are of the dogmas of the church. And uh, I would encourage you to go to Tan Books. Or you go to, as a matter of fact, go to our website and connect with Tan through there. That way, Virgin Most Powerful will receive a, a little bit of a kickback for you buying the book. All right, Jess, this is an amazing story. We need to pray for the Holy Father. As a matter of fact, let's pray for the Senate starting on the 4th of October. What we can be doing, the best thing we can do is live a holy life, yeah. first of all, by praying get our daily rosary in, getting our visits to the Blessed Sacrament, frequenting the sacraments. As as much as it's frustrating to see our leadership waffling on moral teachings, uh, our response is not getting upset. It's praying for them because reparation needs to be made for these men in our church who are really destroying the church from within. And we know that uh, we were told that this was going to happen Uh, Even our Lord in the Old Testament talked about that. Jesse, when we come back, let's talk about solutions to a lot of these challenges. What I just mentioned, prayer, fasting, almsgiving. This is traditionally what Catholics do when we're in crisis, and we are in a crisis mode. Stay with us, family. We're too blessed to be stressed. We're too anointed to be disappointed. And if hope was money, Jess Romero, Terry Barber, we'd be billionaires. Because our hope is in Jesus Christ. Stay with us, family. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. To join the conversation, call 888-526-2151. Now, here's Terry and Jesse. The supernatural power of forgiveness. This is something that all of us uh, need a little bit more in our life. (laughs) Good article by Constance T. Hull. She says, last night my father-in-law died a few hours prior on the same day my family And I celebrated our daughter's 12th baptismal anniversary. He died on the same day we celebrated our daughter's entrance into new life in Christ and his church. We now pray for his entrance into eternal life. It's hard to grieve the loss of a man I tragically barely knew. My husband has struggled to articulate this to friends and priests Mm. who have been praying these past two weeks for a happy and holy death for his dad. It's hard to explain and understand what it's like to grieve someone who has been a ghost for decades. The truth is, my husband's dad chose to reject and walk away from him and most of his other nine children years ago. I have grieved the loss of a relationship with his dad for my husband, our daughter, and me. My only hope is that in the next life, all will be healed and reconciled in Christ. Even though we had not had a relationship with my husband's dad throughout our entire marriage, I was blessed to watch the the Lord work in tremendous ways in my husband. It is through my husband's witness that I have come to a deeper understanding of our call to forgiveness and the supernatural gifts Christ gives to us when we step towards others in forgiveness. Two years ago, it became clear that his dad was going to die sooner rather than later. He had developed Parkinson's and dementia and and had ignored treatable skin cancer to such an extent that it started tunneling into his ear and eventually fatally into his brain this year. My husband became increasingly concerned about his father's soul and the need for his dad to reconcile with family members he had hurt before he died 
And even though he was a practicing Catholic to God, the only way my husband could begin this process was to step painfully into the breach and to fully forgive his father and tell him as much. Wow. One afternoon, my husband made his way to his father's hospital room. It wasn't easy for him after barely seeing him in decades. It is only by God's grace that we find the strength to put aside what we are doing justice and charity in order to turn towards others who have deeply hurt us with the mercy. He wanted to go alone so he could have had so he could have an honest discussion with his father. I stayed behind and prayed the rosary and interceded for him throughout the visit. This moment was one of the most powerful I've experienced in our marriage. I saw the raw power of God's love surge through my husband. I saw him set aside his own pains for the sake of his father. Wow. He sat across from his father in the hospital room and told him that he forgave him. <clears throat> his dad did not understand what he had done to him over the years. It didn't matter. That wasn't the point. Forgiveness must be unconditionally and freely given as Christ has given it to us. And that is what he told his dad. After extending this forgiveness to his father, his dad asked him if there was anything he wanted, to, he wanted from him. My husband told him no. All he wanted was for his dad to reconcile with those he has hurt and to be fully reconciled to God. My husband's sole concern was the salvation of his father's soul and the healing of others who had been hurt. His forgiveness was pure gift. You want to pick it up from there, Terry? No, keep going, Jess. I'm, I'm okay. listening. As Catholics, this is the level of forgiveness we're called to. I can't claim to have mastered it, yet I am so weak and struggle to forgive 70 times, 7 times. I was able to witness the power of this level of forgiveness in my husband's example, which started a process of healing in my own life, as well as the lives of other members of his family. It didn't fix everything. And there are deep gaping wounds that have been left in the wake of his father's death. But the Lord started to open seeds. My husband's dying to self planted. Death is the ultimate equalizer. All mm. of us will die. The questions we are faced with each day as we experience the pains and the sins of others on the top of the reality of our own sinfulness and weaknesses is how we want to live. Amen. Do we want to allow the rejections we endure to the, at the hands of others? especially those closest to us, to stifle our willingness and ability to love others? Do we want to cling to bitter resentment, which turns us into shells of people? Do we want to join in Lucifer's non serviam because we don't want to be crucified on the cross of forgiveness? It's not easy to love. Love is not love without the cross. It's not love without sacrifice and suffering. The Lord shows us that forgiveness means going all the way to the cross for others. Even those people who repeatedly sin against us or reject us. In this case, even when a father abandons his post and does not choose to love to love those God has given to him, a man we hope died fully reconciled to God through the sacraments he received and a full surrender of the past. Forgiveness in many ways is a crucifixion. It is a willingness to die for our, to our desires for justice. It is a willingness to set aside the hope of reconciliation in this life with those who choose to reject us. It's a willingness to not become hard-hearted in the face of abuse, abandonment, and rejection. It is a willingness to unleash love where there is no love. St. John of the Cross said, where there is no love, put love and you will find love. My husband found love when he united himself to Christ crucified and forgave his father with his whole heart. Beautiful. Beautiful. Forgiveness does not ignore injuries and injustice. It doesn't, mean, it doesn't mean that relationships will be mended in this life. There's a hope in some cases we have to wait for until the next life. 
Forgiveness means letting go of the debt another owes us. <laughs> this is exactly what Christ did for us on the cross. This is what it means to love as Christ loves. We're called to be crucified in love for our enemies. Sometimes our enemies were once people we love very deeply or who were supposed to love and protect us, but for the various reasons turned away from us. All of us <laughs> have put people in our lives we need to forgive, me included. The path to forgiveness is not typically immediate for deeper wounds. We often need prayer, fasting, and the sacraments in order to open ourselves to the grace that Christ wants to give us so that, so that will allow us to forgive. As good and holy as they may be, we also need to let go of our dreams and hopes for relationships with people who reject us. <laughs> My husband yes. had to let go of his dream of having a loving, close, and supportive father in order to forgive his dad. The Lord provided in other ways through an elderly neighbor who took my husband, who, who, who my husband took care of before his sudden death two years, who saw him as a son. The Lord also provided his own, his own foster father as a father to him. Wow. St. Joseph has been a true spiritual father to my husband. St. Joseph's intercession and loving spiritual fatherhood has brought tremendous healing to our family. My husband found the, the father he needs in St. Joseph, a father who silenced strength, obedience, and love helped him forgive his earthly father and who helped lead him more deeply towards the eternal father. The Lord wanted him to know what Saint Joseph that, that Saint Joseph is his father by providing a gift on the day he found out his earthly father had died. As I walked into daily mass, a gentleman we know walked up to me with a book on Saint Joseph and a Saint Joseph chaplet. He didn't know my husband's dad had died during the night. Wow. Saint Joseph wanted my husband to know that he is with him on this day and every day. Incredible. The Lord always provides when the world and weaknesses of men fail. Death will come for all of us, the gospel reading says. The day we found out about his death, focused on the thief coming in the night and that we do not know the hour. We have a limited time on this earth to learn to love as Christ loves in order to become saints. We must learn to heroically forgive the deepest hurts. My husband has been a witness to the redemptive power of forgiveness offered in the image of Christ crucified and through his witness, God has been glorified. Mm. Today, I pray for the repose of the soul of my father and I. I hope that he's rejoicing with the angels and saints or if he's in purgatory that his purification will soon hasten him towards the wedding feast of the Lamb. Terry, you yeah, probably got a lot of comments. Yeah, see, I, I do. I just, I lived that, uh, I, I got that same experience this week. One of my tenants uh, who maybe 10 years ago stiffed me for, thousand, well, about six months of uh, rent. I had to evict him. And it was a commercial, he was a, a, a guy that had a, a repair shop. And he was a nice guy, but he just couldn't make it. And what do I do? I see him like, what, 10 years ago? Now, 10 years la later, I see him at a restaurant, and he looks at me, and he's like, oh, no, <laughs> there's Terry. Hope he doesn't recognize me. <laughs> you know, <laughs> Dude, I owe him a lot of money. And I go up to Robert, how are you, man? Long time no see. What's going on, dude? <laughs> and he's looking at me like his buddy's like, oh, oh yeah, I'm, uh, I'm still working. Things are good. Yeah. I said, well, good things are good with me, too, man. I'm just dealing with the rental property right now. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And have a great day. I will, too. God bless. Here's my point. You know, he didn't expect that. He was expecting me to go, hey, when are you going to pay me my money, dude? You owe me. Right? <laughs> I'll embarrass you in front of your friends. No, I didn't do that. Because I've been, I, you know what, Jesse? I'm a recipient of forgiveness. Mm. It's called my sins have been forgiven through the power and the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. It's, that's how I get my forgiveness from Jesus. It's not me, Jess. Yeah, Terry. 
you know, uh, th- there's a UCLA, UCLA medical school study that says that's right that when a uh, when a person doesn't forgive, yeah. uh, or, or or when you do forgive, what you do, you overcome the negative emotions oh, yeah. that are holding you back from being a happier person. That's a fact. That's a fact. You, you know, so the fact is, uh, there's a Father Frederick Luskin. He he uh, he, he says nursing a grudge means holding on to anger, and prolonged anger spikes heart rate, lowers immune response, floods the brain with neurotransmitters that impede problem solving and, and stir depression. In multiple studies, forgiveness has been shown to provide benefits uh, such as lowered blood pressure and increased optimism. When you don't forgive, you release all the chemicals of the stress response. Each time you react, adrenaline, cortisol, and norepinephrine enter the body. When it's a chronic grudge, you could think about it 20 times a day, and those chemicals limit creativity, they limit problem-solving, Cortisol and no repinephrine cause your brain to enter what we call the no thinking zone. And over time, they lead you to feel helpless and like a victim. But when you forgive, you wipe all that clean. And you see, Jesse, it goes right back to all of us being forgiven. We've all been forgiven through the blood of Jesus Christ. And that's why the world right now is in such havoc, because they don't believe in forgiveness. You know what the world believes in? Mm. A pound of flesh. In other words, you did this, I'm going to do that, I'm going to do it my way. And this is the challenge we're dealing with right now. This is why here at Virgin Most Powerful Radio, we're going to proclaim the gospel of forgiveness, the gospel that says, give your life to Jesus Christ, give it all to him, because here's the thing, if you say you're going to do it my way, that's the song they sing in hell. The song they sing in heaven, I did it his way. Please do it his way. That's the model here at Virgin Most Powerful. May God's will be done. Jess Romero, I hear the music. What state should we be living in, brother? Live in a state of TGIF. Thank God I'm forgiven. Live in a state of grace. Don't live in a state of mortal sin. Be holy or die trying. And remember, as St. Peter says, flee this corrupt generation. Terry, take it away. Well said. And then remember what Our Lady of Fatima said. Especially with the Senate going on on October 4th. We have to pray and make reparation. Because Our Lady said, souls are going to hell because no one's there to pray. You know, we've been told by the saints that hell is littered with bishops' skulls. Mm. Are we praying for our leaders in our church from the Pope down? We want to see them all in heaven. How do they do that? They receive the graces that have been given by the lay people. Yeah, much of it. We pray for them. Because Our Lady said, souls are going to hell because no one's there to pray and make sacrifices. Please participate in the salvific work of Jesus Christ by offering your day, your access to Jesus. God bless you.